Moses, The Lord make the woman that is coming to thine house like Rachel and like Leah, which two did build the house of Israel, and do thou worthily in Ephrata, and be famous in Bethlehem. And let thy house be like the house of Pharez, whom Tamar bare unto Judah of the seed which the Lord shall give thee of this young woman. Last week we began our study of this fourth chapter, looking at the first six verses. And uh, this fourth chapter, of course, is the final chapter as well of the book of Ruth. And I explained how it is within this final chapter that we discover the fulfillment of all things leading us up to this point within this narrative. Within this chapter, Ruth's redemption is completed. Who would be the grandfather of David, the king of Israel. David, of course, is a key figure, figure in the lineage of Christ, being a who is king of kings and lord of lords. And if you recall, of course, even the New Testament refers to David sitting on his throne, which is not referencing David as in the grandson of Obed, but rather speaking of David, the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the true David, the true king, who will reign, who does reign. And last week we began our study in verse 1 of this final chapter. In verse 1, just to do some review before we continue this evening in this, this text we've read, we see in the first part of verse 1 we read of chapter 4, Then went Boaz up to the gate and sat him down there. Now the gate of the city, as I uh, reminded you last week, was the place where judicial matters were resolved and business was conducted. Historically speaking, this would have been a place where many of the elders maybe would have sat and discussed, where maybe philosophers would sit and discuss and debate, and where those who would have issues, they would bring them before the men who were wise among them in their communities, and they would even have somewhat of a judicial setting, in a sense, to handle such matters. And so Boaz sat at this gate and he was not going to leave until the matter of Ruth's redemption was settled, as he had previously stated in chapter 3. If you go back and read the latter verses of chapter 3, you'll see where Boaz makes that, uh, his intention very clear. If you recall with me as well, it was Boaz who gave to Ruth, uh, told her to take the, the scarf she had and to open it up, and then she, he filled it with the uh, barley and sent it back as a token, if you will, of his commitment to her redemption. And again, Boaz had committed that she would be redeemed that day, that this thing would be accomplished. And he even made the statement that if this other kinsman who is nearer to you than I, if he will not redeem you, then I will. But if he will redeem you, then let him redeem you. And the whole point was this. Ruth, or Boaz was intent, and he was committed to the fact that Ruth would be redeemed. One way or the other. She was going, this was going to be a matter that was resolved this day. And so he goes and he sits at the gate. And that's important because he sat there and he waited for this one to pass by. Verse 1 goes on to say, Behold, the kinsman of whom Boaz spake came by, unto whom he said, Ho, such a one, turn aside, sit down here. And he turned aside and sat down. Boaz called this one out as he passed by. And I told you before, this one, uh, some would refer to this one as the law. I think this one can refer as well to the, to the flesh. The flesh is closer to us than Jesus is to us before our redemption. The flesh is the one who plagues us. The flesh is the, this one in which we live. The flesh is the one that is tainted by sin. And this is our closest kinsman. And, and also, then you can look at the law in the same manner and say, well, we were under the law. We were under its condemnation. It could not redeem us, obviously. It could not forgive us. It could not provide forgiveness for us. And so the point being that this one that is closer than that kinsman Boaz 
is the one that had to be dealt with. So Boaz goes to the gate, the place where this had to be. And by the way, I want, and we're going to look at this a little further in a moment. The gate was a public place. This was not a private setting. These were not behind closed doors, these meetings. They were open before all. There, would, there were no doubt bystanders who would just be curious and sit by to hear and watch and see what would take place. There were elders that were gathered, and Boaz gathered them, as a matter of fact, the Scripture says. And he gathered those elders to meet with him, and he met this man. He waited till this one, posed such a one, he says. He waited until this one came by. And no doubt Boaz was aware of this man's business. He knew that he would be passing by, and he was going to sit there until... He came by, and when he came by, what does Boaz do? He calls him out. He says, "Ho, such one, turn aside, sit down here." And he turned aside and sat down. And it's interesting because I said to you last week that Boaz called this one out as he was going about his daily routine or daily business. This man was not going to the gate to meet Boaz. This man was passing by. He was going about his daily business, and yet Boaz stops him, interrupts his day intervenes and says, wait a minute, we have something to deal with. We have to contend with this. And so he calls him aside out of his daily routine, out of his business to come and settle this matter of great importance. Verse 2, and he took 10 men of the elders of the city and said, sit ye down here. And they sat down. Now it's interesting that while Ruth's So as I was saying, it is interesting that while Ruth's redemption was a very personal matter, it was discussed and resolved in a very public form at this gate. And I've stated to you before that redemption or salvation is always personal, but it is never, ever private. God redeems men for His glory and to make His saving power and His grace known throughout the world. And so salvation is a private or it's a personal matter always. Salvation is always personal, but yet it's never ever private. And at first Boaz confronted this one, if you recall, about the land of Elimelech, verse three. And he said unto the kinsman, Naomi, that is come again out of the country of Moab, selleth a parcel of land, which was our brother Elimelech's. Now it was the responsibility of the nearest kin to redeem the land and to marry the widow of his brother if the widow was within marrying age. And again, this man knew, no doubt, that Naomi was so old that this was not something he would be responsible to do in, in marrying her, but yet he could still buy this land off of her, help provide for her and care for her in that respect. And Boaz then explained to this one, he said in verse 4, And I thought to advertise thee, saying, Buy it before the inhabitants, and before the elders of my people, if thou wilt redeem it, redeem it. But if thou wilt not redeem it, then tell me that I may know, for there is none to redeem it beside thee, and I am after thee. And he said, I will redeem it. So when this man was confronted, when his day, daily routine was interrupted, Boaz said, 
wait a minute, you need to come talk with me. And then he discusses the matter of Naomi about the land that was there. Naomi is impoverished, of course. And he says, you, have, you know, there's an opportunity here for you to buy and purchase this land, to redeem this land, as the law would have provided this man to be able to do as a kinsman. And so the man immediately hearing this news says, yeah, I'll take care of it. I'll do that. So he was very interested in purchasing the land. But then in verse 5, we see that here's where Boaz really drops the bombshell, so to speak. Then said Boaz, what day thou buyest the field of the hand of Naomi, thou must buy it also of Ruth the Moabitess, the wife of the dead, to raise up the name of the dead upon his inheritance. And now this one, this kinsman, did not want the responsibilities or the consequences that were associated with this redemption to which he previously declared he was committed. Remember what he said? Boaz says, here's the land, and I wanted to advertise it to you. I wanted to let you know about this so that you could buy it because you're the nearest kinsman. So if you want to buy it, buy it. And, then, and, the, and the other kinsman says, yes, I will buy it. I want it. This benefits me. But then as soon as he hears that there's greater responsibility than just the benefit of the land, he says, whoa, wait a minute. No, I don't think so. I can't do this. I don't want to do this. And so Ruth, or, or Boaz, makes this known about this responsibility. And, and he did not want the responsibilities, this other kinsmen, or the consequences that were associated. And, and I, I wanted to remind you, again, parallels here that we can draw from, that men continually want the benefits of redemption. They continually want the benefits of salvation. But they don't, they don't want judgment. They, they want the promise of heaven. They want God's blessings and so on. Yet men do not want Christ nor do they want the responsibilities accompanying redemption. They only want the benefits. Men don't want suffering. Men don't want to submit their lives. Men don't want to acknowledge the lordship of Jesus, but yet they want a free pass. They want to, they want to be free from any, anything wrong here. They want all the good that can come out of salvation that, as they would view it without taking on the responsibility of, of picking up a cross, laying down their lives, and following after Christ, as Jesus himself said. Verse 6, and the kinsman said, I cannot redeem it for myself, lest I mar mine own inheritance. Redeem thou my right to thyself, for I cannot redeem it. Now it's reasonable, again, to believe that he refused to redeem Ruth due to her background, and that she was a woman from Moab, a Moabitess. But whether this one was intent on fulfilling the letter of the law, because remember, they were told, commanded, that they were not to marry uh, pagans, that they were not to enter marriage, to have inner inner. Uh, inter- marriages with those who were of pagan nations or countries. And here you have Ruth who's a Moabitess and they worship pagan gods, plural, and they were of a culture that of course was not that of submitted to God or acknowledging God at all. And so whether he was intent on fulfilling the letter of the law or just ignorant concerning Ruth as a person, remember the testimony of Ruth by Boaz himself was that Ruth was a virtuous woman. She had forsaken all, if you recall back in chapter 1, she had said to Naomi that your people will be my people, your God will be my God. And I, she forsook everything. She forsook all that she was comfortable with. She forsook all that she was familiar with. And she left it all behind and says, I'm committed to go with you, Naomi. I'm committed to know your people. I'm committed to embrace your people. I'm committed to go and be a, a resident of your land. I'm committed to follow your God. And then Boaz says concerning Ruth, this is a virtuous woman. So whether this other kinsman was ignorant of that concerning Ruth or whether it was just he wanted to fulfill the letter of the law to the T, this one refused to redeem Ruth due to the responsibility and consequence of such an action. Now, as I previously mentioned, Boaz willingly did what this one would not or could not do. Boaz willingly identified with Ruth and gladly made her his wife, despite her past and the fact that she was a Moabitess. 
Once the other kinsmen conceded that he could not redeem Ruth, Boaz immediately, without any reservation whatsoever, redeemed all that pertained to Elimelech, including Ruth. And as I also previously mentioned, this redemptive work, although very personal, was public and not private. And this truth was further emphasized by the public submission of the other kinsmen to Boaz, as indicated in verse 7. So let's move on. Now this was the manner in former time in Israel concerning redeeming and concerning changing, for to confirm all things. A man plucked off his shoe and gave it to his neighbor, and this was a testimony in Israel. Therefore the kinsmen said unto Boaz, buy it for thee, So he drew off his shoe. The act of removing one's shoe was an act of one willingly giving up one's rights to walk on the soil in question for redemption. When he took off his shoe and handed it to Boaz, he is saying, I forfeit all of my rights to this property. I have no right to walk on this property. I have no claim to this property. There's nothing now connecting me to this property. I have forfeited it all. So in other words, the kinsman was forfeiting any claim he had or ever could claim was being redeemed. In Deuteronomy 25, 5 through 10, we read quite a lengthy passage. If brethren dwell together and one of them die and have no child, the wife of the dead shall not marry without unto a stranger. Her husband's brother shall go in unto her and take her to him to wife and perform the duty of a husband's brother unto her. And it shall be that the firstborn which she beareth shall succeed in the name of his brother which is dead, that his name be not put out of Israel. And if the man like not to take his brother's wife, then let his brother's wife go to the gate unto the elders and say, My bro- husband's brother refuseth to raise up the, unto his brother a name in Israel. He will not perform the duty of my husband's brother. Then the elders of the city shall call him and speak unto him. And if he stand to it and say, I like not to take her, then shall his brother's wife come unto him in the presence of the elders and loose his shoe from off his foot and spit in his face and shall answer and say, So shall it be done unto that man that will not build up his brother's house. And his name shall be called in Israel the house of him that hath his shoe loosed. So here you go back to Deuteronomy and the law stating that this is how this was be handled concerning a brother whose wife had died, or a brother who had, uh, who, who had died, and therefore his brother was to take his wife and help to raise up children unto his brother's name who had died so that his name would be removed from the house of Israel. So you see the law has just been given. And if one was not going to do this, then he was to take the shoe off, and he was, of course, then referred to as that one who the house of him that hath his shoe loosed. And in the case of this one back in, in Ruth, in the case of this one, this kinsman and Boaz, the nearer kinsman, he re- willingly relinquished all of his rights that he had in this matter concerning Elimelech and his property. Again, I want to point this out to you, though. Remember something. You, you can't just have the benefits of this redemption without also the consequence or the responsibilities of the redemption. Because this one willingly would have taken the property gladly and bought I want this property, give it to me, I want it to be mine. But he was not willing to count the cost concerning what it was going to require in taking Ruth unto himself. So you cannot have one or the other. It's altogether redemption and salvation. And when I say the consequence, there is no negative consequence to salvation. But from a worldly perspective, let me say it to you like this. This man, this other kinsman, he saw the land as a benefit and he saw Ruth as a liability. But Boaz didn't care about the land. He saw Ruth as the benefit of this redemption. What a a different view there is 
Might I say to you as believers in Jesus Christ and this redemption we have received, while the world may consider people who truly follow Christ, genuinely follow Christ, as absolutely insane for the identity with him and suffering for his name's sake and for righteousness' sake, might I say to you, there is no negative consequence whatsoever to this redemption. For we have received this redemption, just as Boaz views this as that which is a benefit, so Ruth viewed this as that which was beneficial, so we who've been redeemed view this as beneficial. And so this one says, I cannot do this, forfeits the rights. Verse 9, And Boaz said unto the elders and unto all the people, Ye are witnesses this day that I have bought all that was Elimelech's and all that was Kilion's and Malon's of the hand of Naomi. All the elders which Boaz had called together and all the people standing by at the gate that day were witnesses to Boaz's actions in redeeming all that was Elimelech's, all that was Kilion's and all Malon's through purchasing it all from Naomi. Once again, we are reminded that redemption, although personal, is never private. The witness bore testimony to Boaz's redemption of Ruth. Boaz was sure to make this a public matter. Ruth did not, now listen, this is very important. We're going to look at this in just a moment. Ruth did not make this a public matter. Boaz made this a public matter. And that is important to recognize. Believers, in other words, are not left to themselves to make public their redemption. Isn't it interesting? You'll hear people say, now look, there, there's, I want to be very careful as I speak here because I do not want you to misunderstand what I'm saying and I want you to see the truth of the parallels here and how they relate to us without doubt concerning our own redemption. Many people say, oh, if you've been born again, then you need to go tell everybody about how you've been saved. Yes, I do believe we should go out and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ without question. But hear me, if you genuinely have been born again, Christ is the one who's determined to make that public. You don't have to. It's going to be made public. It's going to be very evident. Let's look at that, how that plays out in the text, and then also how that is true to us as New Testament believers in Christ. We see it is Christ who will ensure that his work is outwardly revealed and the complete transformation that he makes will be outwardly demonstrated as declared in Paul's letter to the Corinthian church. 2 Corinthians 5, 17-19. And notice these verses all together. This is so important. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation, to wit, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. So while the Lord has made us his ambassadors, by giving us the ministry and the word of reconciliation or the gospel, it is Christ who transforms us and ensures that his work will be both seen through the ministry of the gospel and heard through the word of the gospel. If any man be in Christ, he should act like he's a new creature. Is that what it says? No. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Who's the one who's making this public? Is it you or is it Christ? It is Jesus that makes this redemption public. It is he who is demonstrating his life through us. Now, we submit ourselves to him. We are to humble ourselves unto him. We are to be intent concerning the ministry of reconciliation, the ministry of the gospel, 
and the word of reconciliation, the word of the gospel. In other words, our lives are to demonstrate the gospel and our mouths are to proclaim the gospel. But hear me, our lives are always to back up that which our mouths are proclaiming and our mouths should be a proclaiming that which we are living. And who is it that has given us this life to live? Who is it that has given us this ministry of reconciliation? Who is it that has given us this word of reconciliation? Who is it that has made us his ambassadors? It is God. And if that is true, then the redemption that you've received in Christ, you will be public with it, yes, and that you will declare the gospel and you will live out the gospel. But it's not you who's truly making it public. It is Christ in you that is making it public. Because he is demonstrating his life and manifesting his power in and through you. Verse 10. Moreover, Ruth and Moabites, the wife of Malon, have I purchased to be my wife, Boaz states, to raise up the name of the dead upon his inheritance, that the name of the dead be not cut off from among his brethren, and from the gate of his place ye are witnesses this day. Now, through Boaz's redemption of Ruth, that which was dead was raised to life. Did you see that? He says, I have purchased to be my wife, Ruth, to raise up the name of the dead upon his inheritance, that the name of the dead be not cut off from among his brethren. Going back to Deuteronomy, what we read a moment ago. And from the gate of his place, ye are witnesses this day. Who's the witnesses? The people that observe the redemption are the witnesses of what has taken place. And notice... Now that which was dead has been raised to life, and that which would have had been annihilated was spared from being annihilated. The name of the dead was raised back to life through the offspring of the covenant relationship between Boaz and Ruth. Boaz, unlike the other kinsmen, he was willing to count the cost for the sake of redeeming Ruth. The other kinsmen said, again, verse 6, the kinsmen said, I cannot redeem it for myself, lest I mar mine own inheritance Redeem thou my right to thyself, for I cannot redeem it. Like Boaz, our Redeemer, the Lord Jesus Christ, was willing to count the cost for our redemption. In 2 Corinthians 8 9, you know this verse, but Paul wrote, For ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. What did the other kinsmen say? Oh, I'll mar my inheritance. No doubt what he was thinking, in all probability, is that either that which was his would one day become Ruth, or that which was his would one day become the offspring of his through Ruth. And he's saying, I'm marring my inheritance. All that I have worked for, all that I have gathered, all that I have accomplished, now it's going to end up in the hands of a Moabitess woman, potentially. And he says, and this mars my image, this mars my inheritance. But look at Christ. Do we not remember that he publicly humbled himself as Philippians 2, 5 through 8 in the, the Carmen Christi, in the hymn to Christ, he says in verse 5, Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, Paul writes, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. He is God, but made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. We, as those who he has redeemed, are to be just as public in our humility and boldness of our redemption as Christ was humble and bold in the act and work of redemption. 
We are now his ambassadors, and we bear his name. And let me ask you something. Was our redemption a private matter? Not at all. Jesus publicly was humiliated. He humbled himself publicly. He died publicly. He died there near the gate in a public place for our redemption. He was public in his humility. He was public in humbling himself to the death of the cross. Verses 11 and 12. And all the people that were in the gate and the elders said, We are witnesses. The Lord made the woman that has come into thine house like Rachel and like Leah, which too did build the house of Israel, and do thou worthily in Ephratah, and be famous in Bethlehem, and let thy house be like the house of Perez, whom Tamar barren of Judah, of the seed which the Lord shall give thee of this young woman. The people who witnessed this transaction blessed the redemption of Ruth and further stated that such an act of redemption as performed by Boaz, that it would be cultivated into an expectation, and it did cultivate and would become an expectation of a life of fruitfulness. Those who've been redeemed are expected to bear the fruit of such redemption. Our heavenly redeemer makes us fruitful as we rest in in him and his sufficiency as our redeemer. In 2 Peter 1, 2 through 8, we read, Grace and peace be multiplied unto you, Peter wrote, through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, according as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. By the way, the, the term here, partakers of the divine nature, do you understand what's being stated here? That we might become partners in this divine nature through his spirit dwelling in us. That is the means and power by which God has given us all things pertaining unto life and godliness through the Lord Jesus Christ, his spirit now dwelling in us. He goes on to say, and verse 5, And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, to knowledge temperance, to temperance patience, to patience godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, brotherly kindness, charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So you say, okay, so add to your faith virtue and then you'll be fruitful. No, wait a minute. His divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory and virtue. Add to your faith virtue, virtue, knowledge, knowledge, temperance. But then he says, If they be there, ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. John explained, or Jesus explained in John's Gospel, John 15, 4 and 5. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine. No more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, ye can do nothing. So, our kinsman redeemer publicly performed the work of redemption. Personally redeems us. This redemption was between Boaz and Ruth. But it was publicly displayed and manifested. And so though it was personal between Boaz and Ruth, it was not a private matter at all. And there were many witnesses that bore witness of the moment that Boaz redeemed Ruth 
and there was fruit resulted that resulted from this redemption. There were children or a child that was born from this redemption. And that child, of course, the one mentioned here, Obed, the father of Jesse, who was the father of David. How important is that within the lineage of Christ? And we see God's eternal redemptive purpose being unfolded within the, within the book of Ruth. And again, we see the parallels to which we can relate even in our own redemption. And we can recognize that Christ publicly humbled himself, publicly submitted himself unto the Father and even unto death. And through that work of redemption that was a public work, he has personally redeemed us and now given us the ministry and the word of reconciliation, the gospel that our lives as well through him become fruitful unto his glory and unto his honor. God has raised from the dead back to life in our redemption. Just as Boaz raised the name of the dead back to life through his redemption of Ruth. So God has done the same for us. This is the realization of love. This is love realized. Everything leading up to this point. Now, Boaz and Ruth have not yet literally wed in that sense, but he has redeemed her. He's taken her to be his wife. They've not yet had children, of course, at this point yet. But yet all of that now is coming to that point in time. And this love is now realized through the redemption of Ruth by Boaz. Redemption, very public, although always personal. And so we see that demonstrated as well through the sacrifice of our Lord, through the purchase of our redemption, through his sacrifice and his substitutionary death, but also as he has made us to be his witnesses. We now bear his identity. Isn't it interesting? Boaz did not take on the identity of Ruth, but Ruth sure did take on the identity of Boaz. She is now his wife and has his children. And all this is all part of God's eternal redemptive plan. So it is. Our, our sinful nature did not mark Christ whatsoever. But oh, his righteousness sure has marked us and transformed us. Let's pray together. Father.